Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Episode 67. Man, I know. I know. Seems like we had more than one every week. Um, but I go back and double check to make sure it only goes up one. So we're we're getting there. What do we do? We, should we do something fun at 100? At 100 Campus Life? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we could do something fun for, for 100 okay and yeah, we'll have to talk yeah we got we got a little bit of time for that i'm the idea guy around here now i don't know if you people are. knew that or not mm-hmm. um used to be felix and then it was alfred now it's me now i'm the idea guy yeah um, um i don't think mike listens to this show but if he did he he would claim he's the idea guy he, he would but no 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 um so colin there we're at kind of at the part of the off season where there's not a lot to talk about here this is probably going to be a short show not super short, but you know, not, not super, super long. Short show. And and I'm kind of happy about that because I have been playing a lot of Pokemon lately, and I want to go get a little bit of Pokemon before I go to bed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On the uh, on the old school Game Boy. Old school Game Boy. Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, named, named my rival Felix. I right, whip his ass every time I see him. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I'm I'm rolling through two games right now. You're my rival, and one of them, and Felix is my <laughs> rival. Yep. Who did? Who do I have as a starter on mine? Like, uh, uh, Mudkip. Okay, I can get on board with Mudkip. I yep. like Mudkip because he's water and ground. Mm, Mudkip's just water. Well, okay, Swampert. Okay. Um, I like Swampert because he's water and ground. That neutralizes okay. uh, electricity. A, a double weakness to grass, though, man. It know. does. It does. You just move him out. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even mess don't with even, it. Don't even mess with it. I'm pulling no. him out. No. Yeah. We're so, subbing. So, so yeah. We're, so, we got to get this done quick so I can go whoop Felix's ass. Um, <laughs> so, it's I'm playing like the uh, Leaf Green Fire Red. Um, okay. And Felix is so damn cocky, man. I just can't help but like just you know bitch slap this guy every time I yeah. see him because he's just so cocky. Mm-hmm. It's I terrible. Mean, it's just like Felix in I real was, life. That's yeah. hence you're you're the lady May. Um, oh, girl. thank you. So um, I thought that one kind of overly that nice, was fitting. Yeah, um, a little too trusting. Yeah, that that's you, <laughs> and then the other one is, is more Felix. Mm-hmm. So I figured that was perfect. Um, what? Who's your favorite starter? Real quick before we move on here. I mean, in all of them? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's a basic answer, but it's Charmander. I'm no, not that is basic. Char- it's mine, big, too. So. Big Charmander guy. We're, we're both basic bitches. It's okay. We are. We are. Um, Totodile in the second one. Big fan mm-hmm. of Totodile in, uh, in silver or gold. Mm-hmm. So, I only uh, I only ever do the fire starter. I do like Cyndaquil. He's a good yeah. one. Yeah. My, my brother was always the water starter. And I was always the fire. He Evan was always. So that's the little brother syndrome. You know, I'm sure you were the same. <laughs> Evan was Evan was always water and I was always fire. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So the other way around. Um, For anybody that doesn't yeah. know, Colin is the younger of the two siblings yes. in his household. His older brother Evan yes. and I lived together in college for three years. Yes. Uh, anyways, that's how that's how I know Colin. And that's how uh mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I that's how we got acquainted back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Yep. I would go up and visit him and subsequently visit you as well. It was awful every time he came. Yeah. I don't doubt that. I, 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 I don't doubt that. You guys kept letting me come back. I didn't get it. We didn't let you come back. You knew where we live. There was no option. I mean, that's, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a, well, for the first two years, you had to let me in the dorm. Good point. Good 
Well, I didn't let you in. Um, Stranger danger. So, okay, let's go ahead. <laughs> no, this, Becca Swain Tech did. <laughs> this, pod, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edmund Porras, Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, and the Fantasy Points Podcast itself. You can follow all of them on one place on Twitter, at Fantasy Points Live. Or you can check out the weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Not a lot of news this week, Colin. We try to lead it off with that. Uh, pray, praise be for Arizona State, or we really would have <laughs> been in trouble this week. Arizona State, why do I have this feeling they're going to be the gift that, that keeps on giving this offseason? I think we're going to get a lot of mileage out of mm-hmm. what's going on over there. Yep. Yeah. Um, Jaden Daniels, starting quarterback there at Arizona State, is on the way out. Uh, as I said, he's entering the portal. I don't know if it's official yet or not. I've heard mixed reports on that. I don't believe it's official. I but mean, I, did, did you see that video from Bleacher Report? Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't official before, it's going to be. I don't know. For anybody that did not see this video, uh, just to describe it, uh, I would say definitely go look for it. I'm sure if you you search the interwebs, it, it pops up pretty quickly. It is a video of his teammates finding out that he is leaving and they are basically stealing all the stuff out of his locker and at one (laughs) trashing it. And at one point, one of them says something about like, yeah, he sucked anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So um, maybe some underlying issues there. We're not going to touch on that tonight because, again, I feel like this story is not over on that front. Um, but Jaden Daniels himself rumors are West coast. Um, Cal is kind of the big early front runner. It sounds like, or would we be fine with Cal? Do we have another place we'd rather him go? He seems like he wants to stay out there. He's a West coast guy. Yeah. He does seem like he wants to stay out West. Cal's fine, but it doesn't really excite me much. You're um, the one who spent all last season. talking about how much you love, Tedford or whatever, whoever their offensive coordinator is. Um, I I like Ted. It's not Tedford. It's uh, Musgrave. Musgrave. All these. So guys. it's Musgrave. Um, Thank you. I mean, I I like Musgrave, but I don't really like this landing spot for Jaden Daniels because I don't know how much pro potential I see there anymore. I mean, I liked Daniels. I was on Daniels for a while. Um, he would have to take a pretty significant step in that direction there in what is likely to be one more year. Um, I, he could potentially stay too, maybe with the COVID year. I don't really know, uh, but this is going to be his senior year. So I don't know how much pro potential he's going to have there. And that offense, I mean, Chase Garbers was fine for, for fantasy purposes. So you know what? Actually, yeah, I'm, I'm talking myself into it as I'm sitting yeah, here. Garbers, not that bad. Garbers finished a lot better than people realized last year. Yeah. He was like a top 15 or 16 quarterback, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, in, in most scoring formats. So I definitely don't think it would be the end of the world. And obviously mm-hmm. Garbers is gone. So yeah, um, that spot, it, that job is available. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm talking myself into it here. I, for, I always forget Garbers did, like did as well as he did until like I actually think about Garbers. He's just, I don't really ever think about him. Yeah, yeah, he's like meh. Yeah, but um, but but yeah, it, it's a decent offense for him there. Um, yeah, I like friend, it. friend, friend of the show contributor at campstcan.com 
CFF Nate, Nate Marquise, tweeted out shortly after Jaden Daniels declared for the, or it, it, it was announced that he's probably entering the portal, tweeted, I actually bumped Jaden Daniels up some in my rankings with the portal news. I have no clue where he is going, but very few places would be worse for him than ASU with their lack of pace, creativity, and weapons around him. I hope he lands somewhere that will unleash him. I agree with that. I had just finished dropping Jaden Daniels a decent amount in my rankings. I want to wait and see fully on landing spot, but I I could see him rebounding a little bit of his stock. I I, I don't think I feel like I did before on him, but I, I agree with Nate here. For so I, I think at least for college production purposes, you're going to get a lot more out of him than you would have gotten uh, had he stayed uh, with the Sun Devils. Yeah, that is true. And he does have a lot of potential, you know, with his dual threat ability there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there is there any other spot besides Cal you'd want to see him go? The only other name that I heard bandied about, and I don't remember if it was in response to Nate's tweet or not, would be like TCU. And it's not like an actual rumor. It's just one of those, you know, all the guys that play fantasy out there are, are mm. trying to craft the best place for him. And that would be a lot of fun Yeah, um, there uh, with Sonny Dykes at TCU with some decent weapons. Um, I, I I think that would be a fun that would actually that would be like a low key loaded offense next yeah. year, um, with the the stable of running backs that they have there now, uh, Amani Bailey in there, Traylon Smith in there, uh, and um, Kendra um, Kendra Miller uh, there as well. Yeah, I mean it, it, they've got some decent guys at wide receiver, obviously beyond Quentin Johnston. Um, so that would be a fun offense. Um, but I don't have like I I, I I'm pretty they burst that bubble really quickly when they said Cal, like they didn't even let us dream for at least a day. <laughs> it was like the headlines, like will Jane Daniels go to Cal or no, it wasn't really, but it was like, oh, okay, I guess uh, you let me dream for like four words there of a headline and then just, just crushed that. Yeah. I mean, Cal Berkeley though, that's a, that's a strong academic school too. I mean, if he wants to set himself up well, he doesn't think he could do anything in the NFL. Not a bad place to go. Boo. <laughs> we don't come here to play school. Boo. <laughs> you go to Cal to play school. Maybe you do. All right. The only other story this week, guys, and we'll keep you posted. Maybe this will be a Caleb Williams type um, watch where, where just weekly we check in and, and say, where is Jaden Daniels this week? Um, the only other big story this week, no playoff expansion until at least 2026. Um, the, the conference commissioners all got together. Uh, there was a vote. Um, the Pac-12 and the ACC, is that correct? Were the two commissioners that voted it down from what I hear? So that that's interesting. I, I haven't really considered the implications in, in my head yet, but there's there's a shifting college landscape coming up here. Um, this doesn't really have that much impact for fantasy. I, did, are you an expansionist? Do you want to see more spots for the playoff column? Um, I do. I do want to see six. Um, give the make the first two spots mean something, you know, make it because not that it, the regular season doesn't mean anything right now, but you know, we almost had a two loss Alabama team. I think if Alabama had lost to Georgia, I think Alabama would have gotten in, in the in the um, if Alabama had lost to Georgia in the SEC title game, I think Bama would have got the four seed. Uh, it depends on how close the game would have been, I think, but yeah, but I mean, I. I, we almost had a anyway. We almost had a four loss, like or a two loss Alabama team, uh, in the playoffs here. So, how much does the regular season really matter? It's hard to say, but I think that having 
a buy for the first two spots gives them incentive to, you know, schedule some tougher games, make it mean something. Um, and then you can also with that, you can do, I go back and forth with the auto bid. That's where I go back and forth on because you don't really want a three loss ACC team in there. That's just going to get blown out right away. Or, you know, in the, in the years where the pac 12 is down or, you know, in the future, the big 12, you know, who's going to be running the big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas leave, you know, you don't necessarily want an auto bid in. Um, so I actually, I, I just talked myself into no auto bid. I'll probably go back on that another time, but yeah, I want to see six. I am happy with four. I think, <laughs> I think you're going to see some serious unintended consequences. The more and more you, you expand it. And I will be on the record as the hater of fun on this show. You always are. Uh, Well-established hater of fun. A bigger playoff means that you're more likely to not have the best team win the national championship. People that want an expanded college playoff don't want more. Like, they just want chaos. Mm -hmm. I don't want chaos. I don't care about chaos. That's what the entire regular season is for once you get to a championship deciding tournament i don't want rando teams in there so you hate march madness a little bit no you don't a little bit that's i don't think i don't think i don't so actually i enjoy march madness i don't agree with how they do the <laughs> format with inviting teams um <laughs> Because again, you're inviting a bunch of teams that don't really deserve to be there. Um, so, and especially tell the, that to Loyola Chicago. Yeah, tell that sis, to UMBC. Sis, go Terriers, sis, sister, sister, whatever can go sit down. Um, <laughs> sister Jean, is that her name? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't watch that much college basketball anymore. Uh, believe it, believe it or not, college football occupies most of my time at this point. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm not for expansion. Four teams, keep it how it is. If you if you expand it, I think you're gonna get fight. Uh, you're not gonna get the auto bid. It's no. going to be three plus <laughs> SEC teams every freaking year. Like, is that what you guys want? I I don't understand. Like, I mean, I'd be fine with it, but that's not going to be what the people who are proponents of expansion want. Yeah, I agree with that part. You're you're gonna get a lot of unintended consequences if you start going to eight or. Um, 16, well, I don't think they'll ever go to 16, but if you go to eight or, or 10 or however, the, however far they go. Um, but I do think that there are, there's some years where six, there are six deserving teams. There's some years where there's two deserving teams, honestly. Yeah. Um, this year. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Michigan and Cincinnati fans. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love Cincinnati. I love that story. Um, but, you know, I mean, we, we did kind of see how that played out. You know, I don't think they embarrassed themselves, but I think we saw the disparity there. But, yeah, I, I, I would like six. More college football is never a bad thing, and I don't think six dilutes it too much. Fair enough. Last piece of news here, Colin. I told you I wasn't going to tell you what we were talking about here. That's why I've been stalling. Before just... I did it. For those that either don't follow college, college basketball at all or have lived under a rock, this weekend, Michigan played Wisconsin after the game. 
Michigan head coach Juwan Howard got in a altercation with Wisconsin's head coach. Uh, Juwan Howard, you might recognize the name for those that, again, aren't that tuned in to college basketball, was part of Michigan's Fab Five uh, about 20-plus years ago. Oh, 30-plus years ago at this point. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> through, I'm not going to call it a punch, some sort of swing, we will call it. I've heard it called a mush whatever you want to call it, <laughs> struck struck an opposing coach in the head. There are talks that he might lose his job. Colin, what college football coach do you want to see throw a punch more than any other? <laughs> oh, man. What college football coach do I want to see? Throw you had no punch? idea where that was going. I had no it? idea. No. I was prepping like a whole talk about Juwan Howard and you know whether he should be fired or not, or you know how many games no. he should be suspended. No, what college um, football coach you want to see throwing a punch? That's tough. Can I say what college football coach I want to see take a punch? James Franklin. No, I don't want to see James Franklin uh, get punched in the face. Brian Kelly. I don't want to see. I don't want to see James Franklin get punched in the face. I want to see him get punched in the nads. But that's a whole different <laughs> thing for a whole other day. Um, but like, yeah, Brian Kelly. I'd love to see get punched. Dan Mullen, Dabo, Dabo, those guys yeah. get punched. Um, I would coach. O isn't coaching anymore. I kind of want to see him get into a fight because he would destroy somebody. Um, hmm. Eli Drinkwitz would be funny to see him try to get into a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Harbaugh. That would be an interesting one. See him throw a punch. There's a story about him and his brother uh, in the, like, I I don't remember what interview I heard him saying about it, but there was like he and he and his brother, John, you know, used to wrestle all the time or whatever. And there was one time where he, uh, John punched or Jim punched John. Um, so that won't be interesting. My, my choice is Lane Kiffin. You want to see Lane Kiffin? Total heel, punch? total heel, throw on a, <laughs> throw on a luchador mask or something and just throw <laughs> a big old, big old punch at somebody. I think that would be, uh, that would go down as the greatest moment in college football history. So. That that that's my vote. Who's he punching? Uh, anybody. Saban. <laughs> um. So, Mike Leach would be funniest, but it seems like mm-hmm. those two like kind of get along. Yeah. So I don't. I'm, I'm not sure that would really happen. Uh, that would really happen. Um. But that's like the first guy that that comes to mind real quick. Um. So yeah, I just figured okay. I'd throw that out there. Uh, a, a fun little yeah extra piece of news here um for everybody all yeah, right no prep on that one <laughs> <laughs> all right colin so the bulk of tonight's show um is going to be the thunderdome we're talking camp battles spring camps are coming up in the not so distant future we're less than a month away i believe uh from the first spring game kicking off um so we're probably going to do this multiple times because there are a lot of different positional battles we are going to be watching we chose five here tonight. Um, and again, like I said, there, there are way more than five. So we'll, we will definitely uh, discuss some more of this again. And then we'll do a freshman profile. And then we will, uh, we'll get you guys out of here. Um, so first up here, and I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about the, sh- the, the, the departure uh, of a lot of proven production there from Alabama this offseason. But we haven't really talked about it since the addition of everybody's favorite Georgia wide receiver. Um, so I think we will go ahead and do that here tonight. Um, 
there are really two positional battles here at Alabama wide receiver. I think that's kind of not necessarily being talked about and broken down enough. So let's assume, you know, the way the transfer portal worked out that Jermaine Burton is going to be the wide receiver one there uh, uh, coming in from Georgia. So he's probably going to be on the boundary on one side there. The two battles are really wide receiver two kind of spot there and then the slot. So I think uh, let's start with the wide receiver two position, Colin. We've got a couple of different contenders. We can kind of go through them, maybe pros and cons, who we think it, who we think gets it, and who we who we want to see get it. Those are two different things, probably. Um, so the contenders for this job, guys, are as follows: We've got Corey Brooks entering his second season there at Alabama. Um, I think he's kind of the presumptive favorite at this point, if I had to guess, simply because he was the guy that stepped in at the end of the year when Mechie and Jamison Williams went down. Um, in, in their last two games there in the playoff, four catches for 66 yards and a touchdown against Cincinnati, and then six for 47 in the national championship game. Um, so, you know, f- 15 catches on the year, under 200 yards, a couple of touchdowns, not anything to write home about, but certainly not. He didn't embarrass himself um, last year. Other contenders are Jaya Hall, who we've talked about quite a bit in relation to the year one zero wide receivers, a guy that we we've talked about fading. Um, he's still going to be in contention for that spot. Still got you know a, a ton of targets in the national championship game. Treshawn Holden, the name that I keep hearing, uh, gets some buzz. I guess you can call it. Had twenty one catches for two hundred and thirty nine yards and a touchdown last year for Alabama. And then the other options are freshmen. And I don't know if any of the freshmen this year are really ready, but you're talking about a Shaz Preston wide receiver who's kind of built. You know, he's he's more built for the outside, and Isaiah Bond, who would give them a little more of a speed threat. Um, or I guess maybe if a slot guy would slide out there, like a Christian Leary or JoJo Earl, I find those to kind of be unlikely. So, Colin, just going through, I mean, who do you who do you want to get this job first off? I would definitely say I want Ja'Cory Brooks to get it. Um, you know, I think that he is, he was my favorite of the Alabama wide receivers coming in last year. I had him just sl- slotted just above Jojo Earl, um, but I liked him more than Hall. Uh, I like Ja'Cory Brooks. I think, you know, he returned punts in high school at IMG, you know, so he's not, he's not a burner, but I do think he's a good athlete. Uh, you know, he's obviously got the size as well. So I like Ja'Cory Brooks a lot. So he's the one that I would want to see get it. Okay. I thought you were going to say something else there. Kinda. No, oh, I mean, were you going to, were you going to lead? Did you want me to lead into who I think's going to get it? Or did you want to have some sort of a transition there before that? No, I'll say, I mean, I think the, the guy that I want to get it is probably Corey Brooks first so that Ajayi Hall doesn't prove me like to look like an idiot because um, I've been fading him <laughs> all off season. Um, but I also think none of the freshmen are ready yet. No, I think that would really hold back the Alabama offense and Treshawn Holden. Ah, oh man, like I, he, I think he's a guy that stays at Bama for four or five years or whatever. And he accrues some stats, but there's no NFL future there. In my opinion, he's not a very good athlete at all. Um, He's kind of just, you know, catch, catch, and he's going to get tackled pretty much immediately. Uh, possession type guy. It's not sexy. 
I, I have a hard time seeing him taking that job at least for more than maybe a game or two to start the year. And even then, like I'm not entirely sure. So it, it'll be interesting to see who lines up in spring because they they were pretty spot on with that last year. Who do you who do you think gets that call? Again, I think it's Brooks. I mean, he was just better, you know, than than Holden was. You know, I think just overall he's better. Um, he performed well when given, you know, some opportunity here. You know, he didn't blow anybody out of the water, but you know, for a freshman on a big stage in the playoffs, you know, he performed admirably after uh after Jameson Williams went down. Um, so you know, I think that earned him some good grace there as well. Uh and and like I said, I just I'm not a huge fan of Trayshawn Holden. Um, I think Jacory Brooks is is the guy who's going to end up getting it. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he started spring, um, you know, as the as the other outside wide receiver. But I think he leaves spring with it, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, he he did play fifty three snaps in the national championship game, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually a little bit higher than I thought. Um, but he also saw like a hand like not more than a handful of targets he saw oh shit he saw eight targets so here's what i'm talking about though guys he saw eight targets he had six catches he had 28 yards like he's just not dynamic at all so that's that's my no holden oh okay Holden had six catches for 28 yards in that game. I don't remember his name being called like at all either. I don't either, honestly. Like, so, um, how many targets yeah. did Brooks have in that one? Uh, oh, man, why would you ask me that right now? Um, well, because you have it pulled up. I'm, I don't. You have to pull it up by player. Stall him, Colin. Stall him. Uh, sorry. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, six catches, 28 yards. So you said not dynamic at all. I honestly forgot that he even played in that game. Um, he just doesn't bring anything to the offense that yeah, Brooks I, can't bring. I knew that he played. So Brooks had nine targets for, and then he had six catches for forty-seven yards. So um, just just a more dynamic player overall. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, thank you for looking that up. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that lets the show get out of control on Thursday all of a sudden wants to tell me how to do my job. All right, I didn't want to tell you how to do the job. I just asked you a question. Roll. You're driving. The slot role figures to be Jojo Earl. I think he has a very large advance. Like the gap there is going to be really, really big to start off spring. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The end there, there is something to be said for the freshman class that is coming in this year. It's Shaz Preston and Isaiah Bond who can play on the outside. And then, in my opinion, every other guy that they bring in is, a, is kind of a slot hybrid guy. So there's going to be a lot of bodies there. I, I mean, I think it's Earl's job to lose. Would you – you know, I think Christian Leary, again, another – toss his name out there again, second year. Probably not, but he's just not the refined player that JoJo Earl is. Yeah, I think it's pretty – Pretty clearly going to be Jojo Earl. Um, you know, he was looking to establish himself before he got hurt this year. Uh, you know, he was he was looking pretty good. He was earning time. Uh, I, I would be surprised if any of the freshmen come in uh, and, and are able to to take that 
from him. I mean, we like Isaiah Bond, you know, but I, I, I think he can also play on the outside, like you were talking about there. But oh, uh, yeah, I don't think Bond plays slot at all. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't think so either. Yeah. But I mean, he's probably he, he and Preston are the two that I like the most. I like Aaron Anderson, but he's not nearly good enough to overtake Earl. Um, if anybody would do it, maybe maybe Bond, but I don't even think he would. But I think Bond's too linear to play in the slot. Like he's he's more of a linear athlete than a lateral athlete, like straight line. Like I mm-hmm. I don't think he can play the slot. Now I mean, maybe he gets a little more because he's not inflexible. Mm-hmm. But Alfred and I have had this discussion a couple times. Like I just think that's the difference between a guy like Barry and Brown and a guy like Isaiah Bond. Two wide receivers coming in next year: Barry and Brown going to Kentucky, Isaiah Bond going to Alabama. That Brown is just a much more lateral. A better it's like a better lateral mover more hip flexibility uh bond is a little more straight line a little more physical um obviously both really really good athletes though mm-hmm. um so yeah but I, I think that that's why uh jojo that's the one reason why jojo earl's probably the safest out of these bama wide receivers i mean burton is only not safer than earl because he's coming in from a different school and he wasn't there I would still take Burton over Earl, but I think Earl's very safe. Uh, we're doing the one mock right now. I just took um, Jermaine Burton in, in the second and Jojo Earl in the third. Uh, you know, I double tapped both of them and I'm not mad about that at all. And so I think we just solved all of Alabama's problems there. Um, the UNC running back position, I think is going to be a really, really fun one. Um Last year, well, I think the first question is going to be, do does the staff want a bell cow this year or do they want a tandem? I think they're pretty flexible on it. You know, two years ago, they had Michael Carter and they had Javante Williams and they split those guys almost exactly 50-50. They both had a very distinct role. Um, this past year, though, was, was bell cow city. Uh, Ty Chandler had 100, 182 carries and next closest was DJ Jones, who had 60. So Man, he it's got, almost like somebody thought that that was going to happen. Shut up, or I'm going to just kick you from the show. <laughs> um, so, what do we do, Colin? You're you're the UNC running back guru. You tell me what's going on. What's going to happen? I am the UNC running back guru. Um, you heard it here first. Now, I think this is going to be more of a committee approach this year, uh, unless one of these guys really seizes hold of it in the spring and just blows everybody else out of the water. I think this is going to be a tandem backfield this year. Um, out of the guys on roster, I mean, we're both on record saying we like Caleb Hood. Uh, I like Caleb Hood. I still think he's be- I think he's better than Kamaro Edmonds. You know, uh, DJ Jones is still there, right? Or is it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Caleb Hood's better than DJ Jones. Uh, I-, I think Caleb Hood takes one of those spots. Now, who gets the other one? I don't know. Uh, Edmonds and Hampton, they're all both big body guys. Um, uh, Kamaro Edmonds and Amari and Hampton. Um, Amari and Hampton, incoming freshman. Kamaro Edmonds came in last year. They're both bigger body guys, too. They would serve a similar role to Hood. So if Hood gets that bigger body role, I don't think we see too much of Edmonds or Hampton. Um, you know, I think George Petaway could get a decent amount of looks this year. I think. It would not shock me at all if Petaway is by like 
week seven or eight getting a 40% touch share of the backfield. It would not shock me at all. Um, it's this backfield is so bizarre to me because it's a lot of guys that I just don't think are amazing athletically. I think Kamaro Edmonds would have had this backfield if he didn't gain a ton. Like he gained too much weight. Mm-hmm. He was like a Dalvin cook ish back going into his senior year of high school guys. I remember having this discussion last year. I don't think it was with you. I think I was talking to somebody else and they were talking about, you know, Kamaro Edwin's going, going in there, getting the role. And I was like, well, he's kind of tiny. I doubt that he ever gets the role there like full time. And they're like, he's listed at 220. I was like, who were you watching? And they said, who are you watching? <laughs> so I went after it wasn't re- me <laughs> to recheck his 24 seven page. And sure enough, He's no longer listed at 190 or whatever. He's listed at 220. I was like, holy crap. Uh, and he just looked really clunky and bad his senior year. Like I, whoever advised him to gain that much weight, I think did him to disservice. Um, but now we've kind of made that bed. We have to lie in it. I think Kamaro Edmonds is a big time fade. Uh, I, I'm not touching him at all anymore. Um, I think it's going to be some combination of DJ Jones for a little bit of late, at least. Uh, British Brooks. I forgot British Brooks was there. I believe Henderson is still there too, but Henderson only got like five carries last year. So I'm not sure how much he actually factors in. Um, but I think like week eight, week nine, it would not surprise me if George Petaway has a substantial role there. George Petaway, um, a, a Michael Carter esque back for those not familiar with him. Um, and he's a top six or seven running back in the class for me. I bumped him up. He's in my tier two. I'm very, very excited for him. I'm a little bit lower than that on him. I I don't know what his NFL ceiling is. Um, you know, I don't know how much weight he, he's going to be able to gain. What's he listed at right now? Like 190? 185? 190? Petaway? He's yeah. listed at 190 last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> you can just wake up and these things have completely changed. Um, yeah, yeah but... so 190. I mean, we typically say that they're going to gain about 15 pounds in college. It's the average running back. So that puts him at like 205. So he yeah. could have like a Michael Carter. Can he gain well? Um, maybe an Aaron Jones type of a type of a role. And I think that's his ceiling. And that's a good, that's a solid ceiling. Uh, but it doesn't give him as much leeway as some of the bigger guys. So that is, and I don't think he ever, leads a backfield uh at unc you know i think he'll always be uh, like part of a one-two punch there so i think that also limits the cff ceiling but i do like petaway all i'm saying is michael carter was a startable guy there for a couple years he was and is definitely worth something in the nfl side of a team i don't know that george petaway is any worse than he is um that's like i said that's i could definitely see that outcome so unclear but I think it's interesting that Pedway is basically the only guy of his mold there. Mm-hmm. And that so, bodes well for him early. Yeah, it does. If that, you know, I think part of the trick of projecting some of these guys to get early playing time is how unique is this guy's skill set and is it a skill set that this coaching staff has liked in the past? And I think you can kind of check both of those boxes for George Pedway. So he's a guy that I'm going to be paying attention to um, this season. And if he starts off very slowly, not really getting any touches, I'm probably going to try to go buy him if I can. Um, some of these freshmen are kind of hard to to buy off people though. Yeah, and I mean he is an early enrollee too, so that bodes well. 
boom, unlike Kamaro Edmonds, who squandered his chance <laughs> last year to gain some ground on the class. USC wide receivers, guys. Um, I think you could just drop all these names into a hat and pick out the pick out three or four, and you'd be just as close to guessing how they're going to line up as they actually will be. There are a lot of names here, guys. A lot of names, and that's even with a couple of guys transferring out. Um, the relevant names, I think, for the purposes of our discussions, Mario Williams. Gary Bryant Jr., Taj Washington, Kyle Ford, Brendan Rice, and then behind them, you're looking at maybe a Jake Smith, maybe a Michael Jackson III, um, uh, somebody like that. Honestly, maybe a Real League Brown, as, as we've discussed a couple of times on the show, might not be an actual running back. Um, so that so would be something to monitor. Um, Mario Williams feels like Lincoln Riley's guy. Mm-hmm. Followed him there, obviously, from Oklahoma. Um, has, obviously, some rapport already with incoming quarterback Caleb Williams. So I think that's a guy that you can etch into a pretty decent-sized role there day one. Gary Bryant Jr., the leading guy at the end of last season, really stepped up into the lead role with Drake London's injury. So it, it, you know that feels like a pretty good chance for some nice production as well. But the other guys are tough to predict. Lincoln brought in Brendan Rice, uh, Jerry Rice's son. Yes, actually, um, that, that is who that is from Colorado. Uh, bigger body kid, kind of straight line, boundary guy, intriguing option. Um, Jake Smith, if he could ever stay healthy. Kyle Ford, if he could ever stay healthy. I think that's going to be an issue for some of those guys. Taj Washington. Does Taj feel like the odd guy out? I guess that's the first name I'll ask you here. I kind of feel bad for him because he transferred there, left Memphis for what he thought was greener pastures, and quickly uh, that turned out to probably not be the case. Yeah, I, I really think that, that was a poor decision on his part to transfer out there. I mean, you know, when, when USC expresses some interest in you and you're at a P5 school, it's hard to not see the stars and, you know, want to go out there and, and give it a shot. So, you know, I commend him for that. But it does seem like he hurt himself a little bit in that because if he had stayed at Memphis, he'd be looking at the wide receiver one there this year with Calvin Austin gone. Um, you know, and then that's an offense that has produced some decent wide receivers. They, they always have good wide receiver production on the CFF side, at least whether it was Demonte Coxie, Calvin Austin. Um, so I think he hurt himself from that standpoint. And now the guy who, brought him in the first time as a transfer is now gone. I don't know if Lincoln Riley is going to like him, like his, his skill set. Um, I, I do think he is going to be the odd man out. Yeah, I do too. Um, so I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to make any predictions on this one yet. I think it's too early to tell. I think Kyle Ford is a name to monitor. I really, really do. I know that he's had, uh, I believe, full ACL constructions on both knees. He did one his freshman year, came back, and then immediately did the other one the next year. But he's a talented kid. He's big. He's really or was really athletic. I don't know if he's exactly 100% yet or not, but 6'2", listed about 225. And down the stretch last year, he got some targets. He had 26 total on the season, but the last couple of weeks of the season, he had four, three, two, and eight. Hmm. 
Okay. He got some decent yardage on that, a, a, a couple of touchdowns. It wasn't amazing, but I mean, coming back from two knee injuries, essentially, I just think he's a guy to monitor. I don't know if I would draft him or roster him right now, but he's a guy that I'm definitely watch listing. And if I have a league where I have unlimited pickups, I'm paying really close attention to what happens the first couple of weeks to see if he can snag a role there. Cause I just like what he does. I don't know that they have anybody else on the roster that can really do it. Maybe Brendan rice. Yeah. Brendan rice would be the only guy that I could see potentially filling a similar role. The one thing that for Brendan Rice, you know, Lincoln Riley did bring him in, um, you know, so that bodes well for him, at least. Uh, the guy I like, I mean, we talked about him last year, Michael Jackson, the third. It's just such a difficult and crowded depth chart now. I I like him a lot. Um, I have a lot of him. So obviously I have a lot of him on a lot of rosters. So I'm rooting for him to succeed there. It's going to be tough for him to battle some of those other guys. Uh, I, I do think Mario Williams is the safest one there, obviously. But then beyond that, Gary Bryant Jr., probably my next favorite. Uh, I, I think he is good enough that he's going to earn a role there. Um, you know, I think he can take over that slot role. I don't know how lucrative that'll be, but is Jake I think Smith dead? Kind of, pretty much. I mean, he talk about another guy who's always hurt. Like it's hard to trust him to stay healthy too. Mm -hmm. And I know you said Kyle Ford's an interesting name to monitor. Two knee surgeries is is tough, tough to trust. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I'm not. I would never advocate drafting him. But it, it definitely, you know, a guy that I'll probably be paying attention to. Um, Florida running backs. I don't really like this one being on here. Actually, Colin, I'm not going to lie to you, because I don't think the depth chart there matters. You're just crapping all over me. I'm trying to help you out here. It was a lighter show sheet than normal. We just got out of a meeting with the site. So I'm sorry that I'm just behind. making a statement here, Colin. This is in no way implied that you're doing a shitty job. If you know that you've, was... if you've already internalized that and now all of a sudden you're taking it out on me, then maybe you have some, you know, self-esteem issues that you need to go check that out. Well, I wonder why I have self-esteem issues. I don't I know. Man. get torn down. I don't know, man. I don't know. Constantly tearing me down. Is Becca, my... is Becca that bad to you? I mean, she doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> exactly. That's why I didn't feel bad saying that. <laughs> my wife doesn't listen either. It's fine. Yeah, I don't think so. No. She listened to the one episode where we talked about Jermaine Burton the first time, and that's her maiden name. So now she loves Jermaine uh, Burton. There um, she gets. It was a great call. Yeah. Great call yeah. on her part. So it was really funny because her sister's name is Kendall, too. So we talked about Kendall Milton and Jermaine Burton. She was like, oh, Kendall Milton, Jermaine Burton. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know that this depth chart matters very much. I think they're going to rotate a bunch of guys. Maybe you're trying to pick out who's going to be the odd man out. But uh, between Montreal Johnson, Naquan Wright, Trevante, uh, um, um, Trevor Etienne, Lorenzo Lingard. Did I say to Marcus Bowman? I don't know if I said to Marcus Bowman or not. I don't think um, you did. The, the little back that could down there at 183 pounds. Um, I'm going to like Naquan Wright is just the least talented guy of this backfield. Like I feel very comfortable saying that Trevor Etienne's probably a close second. Oof. He's not his brother folks. You're going to be really disappointed. Um, he's not, but I also am fully willing to recognize that. And I still think he's talented in his own right. 
he's not as talented as his brother, but you know. Is that the way they said when the Deckers came through school? Um, no comment. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, I think Montreal is the only one of these backs that I really want. How do you feel about that? Yeah, Montreal is really the only one I want out of this. I don't know. I was just kind of trying to put another position group on here because when I looked, there were three. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to put some talking points out there. Maybe another position group would have been better. But uh, I think Montreal Johnson is pretty clearly the guy we want. Um, beyond that, Lorenzo Lingard is just a really interesting name to monitor. Uh, he trans- he was a five-star guy, transfer- for- transferred from Miami to Florida. Uh, but it was in that window where he had to sit out a year. Um, he didn't really do anything last year, but he's still talented. I wouldn't pick him up, but just a name to keep an eye on this spring. Uh, and with Trevor, How heavy do you think? I just want to ask you real quick. The weight, I think, on some of these guys is going to be a really interesting issue and might depend on what we think of them long term. How heavy do you think DeMarcus Bowman and Montreal Johnson actually are? Just like visually looking at them. Um, visually looking at them, I wouldn't have thought DeMarcus Bowman was 183. I wouldn't have either, but I didn't. I, I, I would have guessed less than 200, but I wouldn't have yeah. guessed um, 183. I was thinking more like the 190, 195 range for him. So that surprises me. Um, who was the other one you said? Lingard or ETN? Wait, what? Oh, you said Montreal Johnson. I Montreal said Montreal Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, sorry, I was, I was confused. I was like, I, I was trying to think I of which either, other but... running back. Trying to think of which other running back you said. Um, Montreal Johnson is definitely bigger than Bowman or heavier than Bowman. Um, Montreal's listed at two ten. Do you think he's actually two ten? No, or he wasn't at UL. I was gonna say I think he's probably more two hundred, maybe two hundred five. But I think I think he's over two hundred. He's probably right on that line. I do too. I think he's over two hundred pounds. It's all like so hard to guess some of these guys, but because that's gonna make the difference. And Trevor Etienne's like two fifty. Not really, but he's, no, he's not. He's chunky. That's why he's I don't not, like him. He's not chunky. He's chunky. He has a lot of bad weight. He needs to. He needs to get into a college weight program, in a nutrition program. He'll be all right. Okay. Okay. Gonna throw that out there. Um, last position group for the night, and we'll do our, our freshman profiles and get out of here. Um, LSU wide receivers. I don't. I think this is gonna. This is gonna be really interesting. I think this is a case of a lot of really talented players. Can Brian Kelly and his offense make something out of them? And the obvious number one is going to be Keishon Boutte. We'll see if he plays a full year or not. And then behind him, it's just a lot of unknowns. Uh, Chris Hilton, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, Deion Smith, even Jack Beck. Um, Beck's more of a tight end, you know, whatever we want to call him. He's there. Mm-hmm. Do you have any opinion on some of these guys? I know Malik Neighbors is becoming a hot name because he hit a bunch of those year one zero uh, wide receiver thresholds that, that Chris Moxley was digging into a little bit. Yeah, I mean, though that quartet there is is very interesting. I think one of them is going to be very good. You know, I don't think one of them is going to be a 
Boutte, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase level of a guy. Um, I think one of them could get into that Terrace Marshall range of a prospect in terms of like where they get drafted. Um, but I think one of them will get to that range. And I think one of them is going to be very good. Which one it's going to be, I have absolutely no idea. Um, Malik Neighbors, like you said, checked two of the boxes, um, two of the eight boxes on the wide receiver year one zero. Uh, or no, he checked. I was going to say, I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure he checked six of them. Yeah, I was yeah, like, all uh... but two. He checked six. He checked all but two of the boxes on there. Um, Brian Thomas Jr. was the other one. I think he checked like four of them. Um, so those are probably the two best bets at this point. If you had asked me at this time last year, Brian Thomas and Deion Smith were the two I liked the most. So because I keep Brian Thomas's name keeps popping up there, I think that's probably the guy that I would go with. I think he's probably the most likely to get to that Terrace Marshall area of the draft and type of a prospect. Chris but I don't Hilton, feel great about it. Chris Hilton is a really intriguing prospect to me. He missed a lot of last season due to injury. He, for my purposes, was not a year one wide receiver or a year one zero. Chris slightly altered some of the thresholds. He did not include receiving touchdowns in his because uh, they're not super sticky. Um, so he he took he, that that took the designation away because he caught basically is like he had like two catches on the year. One of them was an eighty yard bomb. But that's kind of kind of what I like about Chris Hilton. Like he is the only guy on that team I think that is like just like the big play waiting to happen. Super super athlete is not tiny by any stretch of the imagination. Not a big kid either. So like he's the one that I think skill set wise offers something that's just so totally different. And yes, I get Keishon Butte can win downfield too. Please, <laughs> RIP. Please, 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 please. Um, you're, yeah, try, I've, I don't know how many shows I've been on so far where I say Keishon Boutte could literally go to the NFL day one and play any role you wanted him to, including field stretcher. But I think Chris Hilton is like a specialist in that regard. He's the only guy on the team that's a specialist in that regard. So I'm really – I think that he has a role sewn up there no matter what, and that role is so intriguing to me that I think I'm willing to take a really – a chance on him depending on what his end his ADP ends up settling into. And it's too early to kind of draw a ton of conclusions on ADP. Yeah. Um, the ADP is definitely up and down. So it's kind of all over the place at times. Um, you know, we're just at that kind of this point in the season where there's just a lot of speculation. We don't have a ton of concrete data to go off of for a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, we'll get there and it'll shake out. So, I think Chris Hilton is probably the cheapest out of all of these guys. I don't think he is, but I I don't mind his ADP right now. It's wide receiver 46, 144th overall. Okay. He goes before Brian Thomas. Oh, wow. And Malik Neighbors. Okay, but behind Smith? I'm trying to find Smith because Deion Smith might not even be there. He's still in the portal. Oh, is he? Yeah. I thought he was coming back. No, uh, he's wide receiver. Deion Smith's wide receiver 21. That's a little too high. Um, no, he's not officially come back yet. Hmm. And there are rumors that he has wanted to go to Ole Miss, but cannot academically qualify. Oh, which is Bad. scary because <laughs> it's not like Ole Miss is the Harvard of the South. It's not Cal. So, 
uh, a little concerning there. Um, so maybe he ends up back at LSU. I, I don't really know. But Well, I think one thing that is to say about all of these wide receivers is the Brian Kelly factor here. Uh, I think Boutte is good enough that he's going to be able to kind of transcend that. But, you know, Brian Kelly doesn't really have – he doesn't really feature two wide receivers at a time. Um, there's really only one guy that gets the production. So I think that's going to be Boutte. And then who that guy is next. So, so at that point, you're taking these guys, you're probably you're just sitting on them for a year. Like you're not going to be able to use them at all. Uh, for yeah. your CFF side. You're just taking the one that you think is the best NFL prospect. And I think that's just a difficult gamble to make at this time. So I I have a hard time taking any of them. It, it is really funny because I think the guys, the guys that stole the show from a, you know, a hype perspective last off season were Hilton Thomas and Smith because they all kind of had like one characteristic that really made them stand out. You know, Hilton is like the deep, deep threat guy. Uh, Deion Smith is Terrace Marshall esque. That's kind of, that's been my comp for him since I watched him for the first time last year. And Brian Thomas, a little bit of a bigger bodied guy, like red zone, a little more fluid than that though. I don't want to just label him as a red zone guy. Neighbors is the one that was a lower ranked than all of them, but B doesn't really have like any major standout characteristic in a way like that. But all of the, like out of all of them, he does have a skill set that I think the NFL is really going to like. He's very shifty. He's kind of, he is kind of like the poor man's Keishon Boutte. Like if something were to happen again to Boutte, I think you would slot Nate uh, neighbors into his role and say, go get him, Tiger. Um, <laughs> that's an LSU. Get it? <laughs> oh, Stop nice. laughing. Um, so that's why neighbors is just intriguing to me. And like you kind of mentioned, you know, he hit six of those eight thresholds and, and the, the rate of success does increase the more thresholds you hit uh, in terms of making it to the NFL and being something there. So they're all interesting for different reasons. I think I'll probably have a healthy amount of all of them, just depending on which one of them kind of starts falling a little bit. Um, and I, I think it's too soon to to call this one one way or the other. I'd agree with that part. I think it's too soon to call this way one way or the other. But one thing that does help is they don't really bring in anybody this year. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it helps that their coaching staff shit the bed and lost the whole recruiting <laughs> class in air quotes here. Um, that that, that's Preston a good thing for them. Yeah. Shaz Preston and Aaron Anderson are the coldest going there and the coldest. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. They lost all of them. Yeah, they did. Um, so let's hop into our freshman profiles here, Colin, before we do that, um, if you want a place to find, I don't know, maybe 184 freshman profiles, um, yeah, written down all in one place. We announced this past week, Campus to Canton, that we are uh, we will have our 2022 freshman and supplemental draft guide. Guys, you can go ahead and check that out. We have previewed so far the cover page, and we leaked out a Luther Burden profile today for you guys to all check out. We're Why still tracking hear? down who leaked that out. Once we find them, you will, you know. It's like that episode of The Office where someone leaks about the printers catching on fire. <laughs> so we find them. We're going to work them and work them. So 
Until we find them, though. Yes. So those are all out there for you guys to go check out on our Twitter page at Campus to Canton, the number two. Guides releasing in a couple weeks here, guys. Um, it is free. Wow, free Whoa. for all member year-long members of the site. That's a $29.99 for the year, guys. The guide itself is going to be $20. So if you don't want to sign up for the guide for next or sign up for a year-long membership for an extra $9.99. Don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. But if you just want to buy the guide, that is going to be available as well for you. Um, and both of these players are going to be in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think both of them are going to be rated pretty highly at quarterback. They are. They are. Um, the quarterback I'm going to talk about here, Drew Aller, um, five-star QB, going to Penn State. Um, a guy who rose up a lot very late in the process here you know he, he didn't start his high school career as a quarterback uh kind of showed but he put in a lot of work with a qb coach uh you know transitioned into the uh position there there's a, a really good tweet going around um i think it was from the qb collective i'm not 100 percent sure on that uh but it just kind of showed it actually it was a, it was a short video that showed his progression as a passer in high school uh, and how much work he put in. Um, you know, he, he rose all the way up to five-star status there. Uh, committed to Penn State. He's big guy, 6'4", 232 pounds is what he's listed at. Um, and, you know, a guy that big, you expect him to have a nice arm? Yeah, Drew Aller has a really nice arm. Easy arm strength. Throws at the flick of the wrist. Uh, he does not lose much strength or accuracy when throwing off-platform either. He can throw from multiple arm angles. He can power the ball in there with his arm when he has to. He can make any throw that you ask him to. Um, you know, so that was one of the first things that'll stand out to you. But but beyond that, you know, he doesn't force the ball in there if it's not there. He does move through progressions well. Um, he anticipates wide receivers getting open too. He will throw a wide receiver open. Um, you know, which is not something you always see out of a lot of high school prospects. So that was a big box that you checked there for me. Uh, but then beyond that, just, you know, scrambles when he needs to, uh, but doesn't take off unnecessarily. He maneuvers the pocket well. He feels the rush. Uh, he can evade and buy times. He's a good athlete. Um, he can be an effective runner with the ball. He's big. He can take a hit. He has some speed to him. I don't necessarily think he's a player that you want to have designed runs for. You could do it. Um but I, I think he's probably better served to stay in the pocket, you know, then work some things off script and, and kind of let that happen that way. Um, he's got good accuracy and ball placement. He hits his wide receivers in stride. You know, you don't have to see them have to make too many adjustments. He can, he does need to work on cleaning up the lower body mechanics a little bit. He doesn't really always set and throw. Um, he knows he can throw off platform. He knows he can throw, he can just power the ball with his arm. So his lower body mechanics do get a little wonky at times. But like I said before, you he hasn't been playing the quarterback position that long. So I think that's something that he can clean up as well. He's going to Penn State. He's going to sit behind Sean Clifford, who they brought back for his 17th year. Um, you know, I, I don't see Drew Aller getting on the field this year unless Penn State doesn't have a very good season. I think if Penn State is, you know, has four losses. By the time the end of the season rolls around, you know, maybe even five. I think you could see Drew Aller maybe get some looks in the bowl game or, or the last game of the season. But 
beyond that or beyond a Clifford injury, I don't think you see Aller. I would actually even be surprised if Drew Aller was the number two on the depth chart. I think that's going to be Christian Veyu. Um, you know, he was there last year. He performed decently well in the Michigan State game. But Drew Aller is is definitely a year two guy. I think he is significantly better than Christian Veyu, even though Veyu has the experience right now. But Drew Aller is a guy that with one year of no production this year, I think he'll explode in year two. I really like him uh, in the Mike Yersich offense. So he's... Uh, he's a guy I like a lot. He's my QB one. I think the depth chart for their purposes is going to be irrelevant because if something were to happen to Sean Clifford, I think Veyu would get like a game and then they would just switch to Drew Aller. So I think whatever the depth chart is there, I think would be, I think it's irrelevant. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, I mean, I, Veyu looked solid though. And Franklin's the type of guy that, if somebody looks solid, he'll. If the veteran looks solid and doesn't cost them games, he will keep rolling them out there. And sometimes, even when they do cost him games, he'll keep rolling them out there too. A la Sean Clifford. Okay then. Um, so I chose for tonight to talk about Taven Jackson, quarterback going to Tennessee. Six four one ninety five. I like this kid. That's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Um, (laughs) So I think I could give a whole scouting report on him. I mean, I have my notes up here in front of me. Taven Jackson, though, is a guy that I think I'm going to draft a lot of this year. I've tweeted this multiple times. I think we've even talked about it on this show. But I think, you know, I'm kind of, you know, giving the, the specific profile for him here now. There are just some quarterbacks in a class that mesh perfectly with what a coach wants to do. And that is exactly the kind of guy that you want to go out and stash, even if it's for a year, because the likelihood of them at least being a CFF stud are pretty high. And Taven Jackson is just a perfect Josh Hypo quarterback. Like, I cannot emphasize this enough. If you took Dylan Gabriel and you made him tall and have a better arm and more mobile. That's basically what Taven Jackson is. He, he is just perfect, perfect, perfect for this offense. He is a guy that thrives within structure, but unlike Dylan Gabriel, I think he can also really excel and not just survive. He can excel outside of structure. And I think that's going to be kind of the new wrinkle that he gives over a lot of these guys that Hypel's had. Really good arm strength, dual threat, smooth athlete. I think he does a really good job of pushing the ball downfield efficiently and effectively. I He's not afraid to throw over the middle of the field, which I think is a big thing for the hypo offense. He can kind of work all areas. He seems like he's a pretty darn good decision maker, very good ball placement. He's just a perfect fit. He's going to sit for a year. Hendon Hooker is going to start this year. Hendon Hooker is done with eligibility after this year. Is there an NFL ceiling? Maybe. I wouldn't bank on it, but we've seen worse quarterbacks get hype. And I think this kid is just going to go there. And again, he's going to look really, really good in that offense because that offense is basically tailor-made for him. It's almost West coast ish in a sense. And I think at least some of it, and I think that he performs that role very, very, very well. So Taven Jackson is a guy that minimum 
might be a top 10 fantasy quarterback for two, you know, two years in college. I, I really, really think that's well within the range of outcomes for him. Yeah, I 100% agree. I hate that we are in so many leagues together um, because it's going to be a fight for Taven Jackson because Taven Jackson's a guy that I like a lot as well um, for all of the reasons that you said. You know, I, he's tailor-made for Hypo system. Hypo continually produces CFF, top CFF QBs. Um, even going back to, you know, even when, Drew, when he had Drew Locke at Missouri, you know, Drew Locke put up some great numbers there. So he can, Taven Jackson is going to be a, a top CFF producer for, like you said, probably a minimum of two years. Um, maybe he gets a third, depending on what the NFL thinks of him. That's probably my biggest question mark is what the NFL is going to think of him. But you heard some buzz on Dylan Gabriel before his injury last year. Um, so I think I don't, and you're starting to hear some Hendon Hooker buzz too. So I don't think there's any reason why Taven Jackson can't, get some NFL buzz as well, at least like, I think he'll get drafted. So yeah, Taven Jackson is, is don't have it up in front of me. I think I have him as my QB 10. He's like right around there for me too. That's going to do it for tonight's show guys. Make sure you're checking out everything we have to offer over at campus to Canton.com. $2.99 a month, $29.99 a year. We have now a full CFF team dedicated to all of your cff needs we have a full debbie team rankings released shortly um that can help you with all of those kinds of things obviously we're still going to be producing the same c2c content we've got the podcast feed guys if you haven't checked it out recently go do that we have a show for every day of the week at this point it's pretty freaking crazy guys and i think you know now at this point everything has been announced so we can announce the schedule Mondays, guys, every single Monday during the offseason, Chasing the Natty, our CFF show hosted by CFF Jared, and usually has a rotating uh, host with him there on that show. Tuesdays is us. You're listening to us right now Yay. on Tuesday, Campus Life, college side of our podcast here. Every Tuesday, we will be out. I guess technically usually Monday around 11.30 p.m., but um, <laughs> if you're up and you're listening at that time, God bless you, PJ. Um <laughs> Wednesdays, Debbie Debate, guys. The Debbie podcast here, hosted by myself, Phil Sharp, Matt Bruning. We do a live show, and then the podcast comes out right after. Let's go ahead and check all of that out. Thursdays, guys, going to be the future freshman podcast. New podcast going to be on the feed. If you didn't listen to Chasing the Natty this week yet, it's going to be hosted by Brandon Sanders at CFF University, one of the new members of our team here at Campus to Canton. He's going to be looking at future freshmen from a CFF dynasty perspective, so a little different than just pure recruiting. It's going to be very uh, in-depth for fantasy purposes. So go. Steven Jackson. He might. I know this week's episode is about Luther Burton. Um, so, yes. So go ahead, check that out. The premiere drops this week. Uh, very, very excited for that. And then Friday is us again, Canton Bound, the NFL side of the podcast. Um, so that is going to be the off-season schedule, guys. You'll also notice if you go on the podcast feed, you're going to have something called the DDR on there. It's the Daily Draft Report that is hosted by Mr. Dwight Peebles, a 10 to 15-minute episode that drops every day during the week. Uh, each episode is a different uh, draft prospect here, and he's just dropping them until the, the draft shows up, guys. So he's like... 40 deep at this point. I mean, he's a ton of shows in. Um, I've been on the show 
is it bad if I still you still haven't been on the show, have you? Don't bring it up. No. Okay. Colin hasn't been on the that show hurts. yet. It sounds like Colin wants to be on the show. If anybody anybody's out there is listening. Mm, um, I didn't say that, but you know, I did not say it. So all of that stuff is going on over there, guys. We've got our YouTube presence is growing, growing, growing. So go ahead and check that out as well. Campus to Canton. I could just talk about what we're doing all day here. We've got college football unfiltered in the mornings, our live show. Just like guys, like, what are you doing? Go ahead, go check out campuscanton.com. Check out the Twitter feed. Check out all this stuff because you can just see all the different content we have coming your way. So That's much content. So much content. I hate saying content. Like, it kind of sounds hollow. I don't know. Like, we've got so much shit, so much stuff, so much really, really <laughs> good stuff. Like, I don't, so much information, so much actionable advice, so much, I don't know what, I don't know what other word I can attribute here. But you put a lot of, uh, you put a lot of, uh, a lot of synonyms out there for content. So I, they do call me the, the walking thesaurus. Um, so they don't call me that. So go ahead, check all that stuff out, guys. Until next time, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good week, guys.